the tabletop Take away Game mechanics on display Three designers share the stage Pick a genre and we'll play The tabletop Take away Welcome back to The Tabletop Takeaway. I'm Ananda Gunaratna. I'm Charlie McCarran. And I'm Trevor Muller-Hagel. And today we're going to talk about Spirit Island, uh, continuing in our co-op games series. Number two. Number two, yes. So um, Spirit Island is a co-op game by R. Eric Royce uh, in which the players are spirits on an island um, defending that island from European uh, colonial forces um, mm-hmm, belonging mm-hmm. to various nations from uh, Europe, uh, which are different adversaries that you can fight with different special abilities. Um, so each player is a different spirit, and the spirits are very different, very thematic, uh, very unique. Um, and your objective is to drive away the invaders which is initially very difficult because you have to kill all of them and they just keep coming. But um, you can make things easier by earning fear. Um, and if you earn enough fear, the victory condition becomes easier. Um, so like at first you have to kill everyone, then you only have to kill towns and cities. You get a bit more fear, You only now you only have to kill cities. And then if you get a huge amount of fear, you just win the game. Perfect. Um, and players can lose if one of the spirits is destroyed or if the invaders blight the land too much by attacking it or um, if you take too long and the invader action deck runs out. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically the, the, way, the overall structure of the game is that each round the spirits get to grow more powerful. Um, then they get to play a bunch of cards that do different things. Um, and some of the cards happen before the invaders, some happen after the invaders act. Um, and then in between the fast and the slow powers, um, the invaders get to take their turn and, uh, they attack the land, blighting it. They build, then they build new structures, um, build, you know, new towns and cities. Uh, and then finally they explore into new lands with little tiny explorers. Um, and so you just keep doing this until you either win or you lose. Um, and uh, that, I mean, that's basically the game. Uh, and it's, I think it's a really good game. I, right now I play Spirit Island more than I play pretty much any other board game, I would say. Um, and it just feels endlessly replayable. Yeah. Um, like, I, how many uh, different um, like spirits? spirits can you play as? Oh, right oh boy. Uh, well, let's see. I don't know the exact count off the top of my head, but um, uh, let's like close it, to twenty or something. Or? No, 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 close closer to forty. I think. Holy wow. cow! Okay. Um, I think. Uh, well, there's a lot of them, and the diversity between each one is substantially different. Yes, it's it's incredible. Like I, I thought, like everyone had this, a similar card. I did. I started looking at everyone's cards. I'm like, oh, you work completely differently. And then I looked at some of the cards that they had that we didn't pick. It's like, oh my god, these get crazy. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I I feel like I've learned a lot from Spirit Island. Um, one of the, I think the really cool things about it 
is the way the invaders act, ravage, then build, then explore, and then all the cards shift left so that wherever they built last round, they ravage next round, and wherever they explored, they build. Right. Um, I think this is a great illustration of... Um, foreshadowing? Foreshadowing, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the principle of foreshadowing, which means that if players are going to be subject to random actions or, or random events or even the actions of other players, then the impact on the, the negative impact on the player should be proportional to how much warning they have. Sure. So like in Spirit Island, you don't know where the invaders are going to explore. Right. But that's okay because explore is a tiny, tiny thing. Yeah. Ex- explorers are they, – they can't even – Rat, blight the land by themselves because they only do one damage and you need two to blight the land. Right. So explorers are not that big a deal, but wherever they explored, they build next round. And that's a bigger deal because now they're becoming ingrained and they're becoming harder to remove. So you have one whole round uh, to stop them from building. And then if you don't stop them from building, they ravage. And you have basically two whole rounds from when they explore to stop them from ravaging. And it's this very natural, uh, very uh, visceral way of indicating to players what is going to happen in the future. And that's important because then when it happens, it feels fair because you saw oh, yeah. it coming two rounds ahead of time. And you didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Yes. Um, and I think in, in games that have random events uh, or even player action sometimes – I think foreshadowing is absolutely crucial to make things feel fair to the players. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also we talked about this early on in our first series, I think, about how if there's a deck of cards, players should know what the possibilities are. Right. And Spirit Islands is nice because the deck is just um, the four different territory types. Um of that deck. But then there is the event deck, which has all sorts of random things happen. Yeah. Chaos. Um, yeah. Which is fun. But those never, f- they don't feel as that bad. Well, and they may help uh, you. Yeah, they yeah. might help you. That's a nice thing. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the key about the event deck. Um, it has Each event card has things that are both bad and good. And right. some things that could be bad or good, depending on context. Sure. Um, so it sort of balances out. Even though you can't see exactly what's coming, um, you know you you get a mix of both, so it doesn't feel totally uh, unfair. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the only drawback to it, that system is like there was a few times when we were playing. I was like, I don't know, should I put a a beast token down here or here? And uh, really, like on your first play, you're just going to have some of those moments probably. But I can see how playing it more. Um, as you get used to the deck and what's going to happen, yeah. I well, can see why you play it a lot. <laughs> and it seems like there's a lot of points for the randomization or for the uh, unique setup because you have different countries, you have different uh, spirits you can play as. Oh, yeah. It just seems like there's a, a, almost endless versatility in how that plays out. Like, even the tarot cards, it looks like, can be different. Yeah. Uh, which, like, Yeah. I mean, there, and then there's also scenarios. You can use the thematic boards instead oh, of the man. balanced boards. There's all sorts of stuff. Wow, um, that's awesome! Yeah. Well, I, I, it's a great game. Uh, I'm I'm sad it took me this long to play it, um, but yeah, I I really appreciated how not only different the the player cards for the spirits were, but their starting abilities also felt so thematic for the elements. 
and just how those elements tied in with each other and how you could earn element and that would give you kind of a, a free action you could do on your turn if you got enough if they matched your spirits type. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's really, really fascinating. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's probably worth expanding on the element system a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you said, you, you earn elements by playing power cards from your hand and each spirit has certain innate powers that they unlock if they earn enough elements that turn, mm -hmm. which really encourages you to, um, when you're getting new power cards, to focus on cards that give you the elements you need, which is really nice for two reasons. Um, first of all, uh, when you take power cards, you draw four and choose one, which can be intimidating because the cards can often be quite com complex. But having that much many options is great. Like, it, it is. Yeah. And the nice thing about the elements is it gives you a way to filter out uh, which cards you're interested in. Because you can just focus on the ones that have your right. elements and ignore the others. Yeah. If you're fire and wind like I was, you really don't care much about water or sun, whatever the sun is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other nice thing about it is it helps keep players on theme. Um, because each element is loosely associated with a particular effect. Like fire might be associated with power cards that deal damage directly. Sure. Um and so because you're encouraged to take your own elements, you're encouraged to stay within the theme of your spirit, but you still have some freedom to branch out if necessary. Right, yeah. Um, which makes keeps everything feeling really thematic, even though you're just going with the natural incentives. Really, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that leads into my takeaway from this is uh, I had played Spirit Island a few years ago, but I kind of forgot about the element system and how it's nice that you can, as you're playing cards that you you just want to play them for their power. And then at the end, you realize, oh, cool, I played enough to be able to do this special power. Right, yeah. And, you know, you're ramping up how many cards you can play. And it's creating the side effect, as Ananda would uh, be able to talk about side, your idea of side effects, I really like, and you wrote a book on it even. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a lot of side effects, though, in Spirit Island, which I think works really nicely. Um, but maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Just about what the, side? Effect? The yeah, the idea of a side effect. Oh yeah. Well, basically, um, I mean, there are a bunch of good reasons for this, but um, a side effect is when uh, a player takes an action with some specific goal in mind, um, but their action has other consequences as well. Um, mm, yeah. That that weren't the reason why they took their uh, that action. Um, and so, like, the, your, your example that you gave in Spirit Island, you might play a power card because you want its effect to happen, and then the elements you get are a side effect that you can apply to other things. Or you might play the power card because you just, you really want those elements to unlock your innate power. Right. And then the side effect is the effect of the card. And now you, and, and that creates sort of a, minute, a, a mini goal for the player, which is, okay, I have this because I need it for some, you know, I need this power card for something else. Now I have this effect. So how do I use it? That's like, that's my new objective. I need to find a use for this ability um, because obviously players are optimizers and oh, want yeah. to use every mm -hmm. resource at their disposal. So, I mean, that's, that's one benefit of side effects, which is that it naturally, it, it generates goals for players in a very organic, satisfying way. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I started out only pursuing the powers on the cards with like, okay, well, there's fire and, and air happening and that's good, but I got a lot of good stuff from air. And then I got to the end of the game and in order for me to take out one of my last cities, I had to get enough fire and air to use my innate ability to remove a city. So I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, well, how do I do that? Oh, I have four cards. I have four of these. 
let's do it. And just because I was able to do that, I removed the city, and then I went through the cards and did their actions, but didn't care as much about that because I really yeah. just wanted to remove that city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another nice side effect in the game is your presence board. So you have yeah. these presence discs that you take off your board and put on the map, which gives you powers on the map. But you're, when you remove them, they give you bonuses of extra energy or extra cards and or element, um, depending on your character. Yeah, or element. Yeah. Um, so, some, some characters have even other things. Uh, like, I know there's one that can unlock the ability to move Blight around. Um, wow. Some of them can move Presence around. Uh, there's yeah. a bunch of really weird abilities you can unlock on the Presence tracks. Yeah. So now every game that I have that's somewhat heavier, I think about that. <laughs> Ever since I think Terra Mystica was maybe the first game I had that... You remove the yeah. thing to build it, and there's oh, there's something underneath. For, yeah, for for me it was Eclipse. Um, oh yeah, that was the that was the first game oh, I yeah. played that did that, and it's it's just such it's such a useful tool to have in your so toolkit. So clever, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and easy to understand. Oh, the thing was covered, and now it's now not. it's not. It yeah. gave me a thing, and then it also gave me a thing. I yeah. love it when one thing gives me two things. Yes, like. You you can also do the negative version of that. Like I think through the ages has a a, oh, a yeah. waste system where as you remove cubes, you have more and more. Yep. Waste. Yep. Yeah, and so you Scythe. have to remove resources. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, and it's nice just because it's like it, it removes upkeep from the player. You don't have to count things up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You can just you know you just look at the track and see what's exposed. Okay. Mm-hmm. That eliminates counting and arithmetic, which is always great yeah always want to remove that oh yeah and i think uh bringing it back to spirit island i think a game like this has so many rules associated with it which honestly like turns me off a little bit of the game but having someone who knows the rules well is helpful for sure right right but like the more that a game can offload those rules into the components is awesome yeah and making it every everything as intuitive as possible is huge for a co-op game, especially. Yeah, yeah, a big, a big rules co-op game. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I mean, one of the things about Spirit Island is it's it's very, um, it's very loose on rules and well, not rules, but it's very loose on things like timing. Sure. Um, and also the rule book, all the rule book specifically says if you make a mistake, um, like uh, Trevor, I know you <laughs> you made a big mistake earlier in our, our game, but it says don't worry about mistakes. This is a co-op game. If you make a mistake, that's fine. It just means the game is slightly easier or harder. Um, obviously, Spirit Island, the difficulty can be adjusted by huge amounts um, through setup. Uh, and, um, yeah, so don't worry about it. Just keep playing, um, which is what we did. And I like that uh, the rule book specifically calls that out and says just do this. And, and the other thing I like is the timing is, is very generous. Um, basically... Everyone does stuff at the same time. Um, you you know you can arrange. Oh, I want to do this, uh, and then you you know maybe you should do that. Um, but you all go at the same time. So there's a, there, there's very little downtime in Spirit Island, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I I also found the fast versus slow abilities really interesting as well because you're you're adjusting the timing of what's going on on the board, and my character could actually influence that with one of their abilities. Uh, so I was able to actually offer that people could speed up a card if they wanted, which allows you to go before the invaders go. Yeah. 
And that, that was key at the end of the game because yeah. um, you boosted me with that card so that I could uh, take out... Um, I had, like, the power of the jungle hungers, um, <laughs> which just kills everything in one land. Yep. And then the... The hungry jungle. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then I took out one land, Charlie took out the other land, and, mm-hmm. and that was a win. Yeah, that was... That, that, I was certain we were going to lose, which, like, to was, be able to pull a win off of that is great. Mm-hmm. Especially for storytelling purposes, too. Like, we're, we're telling a story together with this, right? Yeah. And, yeah. like, it it's... Obviously, like, Spirit Island is its own whole thing, but, like, oh, man, you know, we almost did that. Okay, well, we're managing this together. We're talking about it. We don't have the information uh, restriction, like, from the crew, but we are, like, limited by what our abilities can do. Yeah. And so we're working through this together and creating a story. And any time you can have a moment where you have that near defeat and then pull out of it and have a victory is, is just a great team win. Like, you just feel great after that. Yeah, and I feel like I've had a lot of moments like that in Spirit Island. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you could engineer that, but you have to be able to create opportunity for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't developed a co-op game really at all, but uh, especially not like a huge one. A sprawling one. A sprawling one. Uh, I think that would be a fun challenge because oh, yeah. the the good ones, yeah, like you're saying, Pandemic is like that too, where you think, oh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And then last minute you pull out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious how the designers did that. Like, without... Because Spirit Island seems like it could just escalate so quickly. Like, once you start getting... Oh, yeah. I'm glad we never had more. the uh, the Blight Compound. Because that could have just been detrimental. Which is very similar to Pandemic. How that uh, works mechanically. Yeah. Uh, at mm-hmm. least from the sounds of it. So, like, yeah, it could just wreck you. Yeah. You don't have a ton of blight to work with anyway, so yeah. Um, yeah. What what takeaways do you guys have? Oh man. Well, my takeaway from Spirit Island, and and it has been for a while, is um, so basically, I, I think co op games fall into two main camps. There's games with information economies and games without them. And if you have a game without an information economy, um, one problem that people will bring up again and again and again playtesting is the quarterbacking problem. Yep. Um, if you have an information economy, then that's not an issue because communication is the challenge. But um, I think one thing Spirit Island does really well, and and my main takeaway from it is that you can absolutely manage the quarterbacking problem by giving each player something that they specifically are explicitly responsible for. Right. So on Spirit Island, um, each player has a starting board, and you aren't required to stay on your starting board, and you aren't limited to actions on your starting board, but there is a sort of understanding among among the players that, okay, each of us is going to handle our starting board. And then if, you know, if we have extra resources, we'll go and help the others. And so everyone's responsible for updating their starting board. Everyone's responsible for keeping their starting board clear. Um, and this is uh, amazing because um, it's, uh, it, you, you, don't, you don't need quarterbacking. Everyone's responsible for their own thing, um, their own spatially distinct part of the game. Right. Um, and so you just trust everyone to manage their own thing while you're off managing yours, as opposed to like a game like, say, Pandemic, where everybody is basically playing in the same space, um, right? Like there's no, you, you don't have one person responsible for Asia and one person responsible right. for North America. 
And uh, so in that game, it's very prone to quarterbacking because you're all looking at the same space and all trying to solve the same problem. Whereas in Spirit Island, each of you has your own unique problems that you need to solve. Um, mm -hmm. And other people might be able to help, but they're focused on their own unique problems. Yeah, and it feels like uh, more in this game, you want to ask for advice from other people because you're like, well, maybe the maybe you're working on this thing over here, and Ananda, since you've played it a lot, like I asked for advice on what to do in certain spots. Like, well, that's about to be ravaged. Yeah, and it already has a blight, so you want to make sure you take care of that. Oh, yeah. oh God, yeah, yeah, okay. But it's like take care of that, not use this ability yes. there. Yeah, it's just helping us understand what our responsibility is yeah. in the in the moment. Yeah, and there's yeah. enough decisions to make. Too. Whereas uh, some co-op games, it's probably a bad sign if everyone thinks their decisions are easy, too easy for even one player to handle. And then if you got like four players deciding over an easy decision, then yeah, uh -oh. not yeah. that fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's something to the level of complexity too, because you know, Pandemic versus Spirit Island. If we're comparing those two, Spirit Island is certainly more complicated, right? Mm -hmm. And there's something to it where, okay, I have enough headspace to deal with my stuff. Yes. I don't have the headspace to quarterback because I've got a quarterback myself. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, being very complex is definitely another solution for quarterback. Right, which is a dangerous solution. But if you have it handled well, like Spirit Island feels like it does, then it can actually create a really nice dynamic environment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I really like how they handled everything. Yeah. Uh did you take? Did you have a takeaway? I do have a takeaway. Uh, so uh, it's really, really uh, interesting to me how the the spirit island uh, spirits all have these different not only powers that they have, but their first like upkeep round has different choices. Okay. The growth options. The growth options. And this little little nugget that you make this one little decision but it changes the outcome of how you're going to handle everything the rest of that turn. Oh, yeah. And, like, it could give you more cards. It could give you more energy, give you more presence. And what do you need at that moment? But everyone else has a different board. And so at their core, even though you're getting all these different cards, you have all these different things moving around, this one little decision tree that you have is different from everyone else's. Yeah. And that is just a beautiful piece that I really want to, like, pull from a little bit. I. I mean, yeah, the, the growth options are a really cool part of the game. Yeah. And often the growth options also support the theme of the spirit. Oh, sure. Like, for example, if you look at the ocean spirit, um, which, so uh, neither of you saw this one, but... No. I think I played it as it in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, um, they, can only, they're in, they can only be in the oceans and in the coastal lands. Oh. And um, their growth options have to do with the tides. So, like, one of them moves the tides in so they get to push their presence inland. And then the reclaim action pulls their oh, wow. presence back out to sea. Um, and, and so you, you sort of, as part of your growth, you have to manage the tides to try to make sure, you know, you can reach the lands you want to reach. And that's just a beautiful, like, marrying of mechanics and theme right there. Yes. Like that. And that's I, phenomenal. And I feel like there's a lot of that in Spirit Island where yeah. mechanics and theme just mesh so well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so important because that actually increases the intuition of it too, or it makes it more intuitive. Like Charlie's saying, like, you want to have that that feeling that everything about your spirit is intuitive 
and you understand why it's there. And it's like, okay, well, I'm a destruction spirit. I'm fire. I'm destroy things. I ended up accidentally blighting my own land because I destroyed too much. Yeah. You know, like it, it's like, oh, wow, that's really good. I hurt myself, but I also got rid of a lot of stuff when I did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, being able to create that environment. God, it's yeah. just so good. And I will say, too, like most of the abilities aren't a ton of text to read. No. It's a lot of it's simplest. like just related to iconography, like, oh, you uh, can do this thing in the same in a coastal zone or something or gather it gather and push is basically like the two different main actions you can sure. do and then damaging things and it's like and people terrifying will, things people yeah. kind of make up their own thematic story in their head about how it's working just oh yeah from yeah what the art is on the it, cards it, too it, yeah it's really interesting because the same mechanics um based on the context of different cards represent a bunch of different ideas but it always feels like thematically appropriate, even though, you know, they're both doing the same thing. Just the way it's presented makes it feel like thematically something different is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the actual takeaway, I said what I liked, but the <laughs> takeaway from what I liked is that you can create unique experience game to game by just changing one little thing at the top of a card. Now, all everything else of those cards was different too, but just changing that one interaction makes it feel more asymmetric. But it's not. We all have powers. We're using powers. Uh, it is technically, I would, would you say it's an asymmetric I mean, it's, game? It's still pretty asymmetric, I would yeah, say. Yeah. I, I, on the scale of, like, solitaire to root. It's it's not root asymmetric. Right. But it's... It has a lot of asymmetric powers and dealing with things. But you all deal with, you know, minor powers the same way, major powers the same way. Yeah. Um, energy the same way. Like, um, And so in that way, in the core, it's the same. But that one little twist makes everyone different. So you want to sit back down and like, oh, I want to try a new one. And that's really the pullback yeah. into the game. Yeah. For me, at I least. did. Oh, so I, I did say my takeaway about side effects, but a second takeaway. <laughs> um, takeaway two. Yep. Uh, it, the thought, the idea of having a lot of design space in your game, because um, you may hear designers talk about design space. And I think of it in terms of, like, how many different things are interacting, components, um, locations, whatever. And I, I've i noticed in my own designs, sometimes I tend to boil things down to, like, very elegant, minimal amount of things. But I think when I do that, sometimes I lose this possibilities of having, like, 40 different spirits that feel so different. Because there's, like, all these little interactions that can happen. Right. Um, so yeah, that's another takeaway for me. Like maybe don't be so worried about cutting down to very bare essentials of components. And, and yeah, that, that is a really important point, uh, to me as well, where if you go to just as simple as possible, it will be more accessible to more people, but maybe fewer people's favorite game because they can't do as much with it. Mm-hmm. And so it's an interesting, like pleasing the many versus making one person extremely ecstatic like Ananda, who loves really in-depth mechanics like that, I'm assuming, based on the games we've played with you. <laughs> uh, it just, there, there's this more you can crunch into, and some people hate that. And they don't want to, like, they want it to be a relaxing activity that doesn't take a lot of headspace. I absolutely get it. I'm very similar in a lot of ways. Um, but, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Having those, those moments where you can crunch into it without it feel, feeling brain-burning. Is really nice. 
Mm-hmm. Makes you feel smart, too. Yeah. Which is always good. Uh, any final thoughts on Spirit Island? Uh, it's a great game. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did not pay us for this. <laughs> yeah. No one pays us. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's uh, call it a wrap for that. And oh, yes. next week on next the podcast, we'll you will get to hear... Marvel, Marvel Champions. Champions. Hey, thanks for listening to The Tabletop Takeaway. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So please tell your friends and visit our website at thetabletoptakeaway.com where you can suggest games and mechanics for us to cover next on the show. Mm-hmm.